Have you ever wondered why some entrepreneurs seemingly catapult to the top in a short period of time, while others take years or even give up on their dreams? The fastest path to success is positioning yourself as an authority. Follow me on my journey to build my online dream business as I interview successful entrepreneurs, uncover marketing strategies to grow your business, and help position you as the authority. I'm Steph Shinneberry, and this is The Authority Marketing Edge. Welcome to Authority Marketing Edge. Today, my, de- my get- Today, my guest is Dan Cook. Dan is a messaging and sales coach. He has 15 years experience selling real estate, life insurance, and health insurance, and 12 years teaching other people to, to do the same. During this time, he has done multiple eight figures in sales and trained others to do the same. Thanks for being here today, Dan. It's great to be here, Steph. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. So uh, will you share a little bit about how you got from being in real estate and health insurance to taking off on your own journey into the online entrepreneurial world? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, this is great. I, I love talking to you. I love, I just, I love the way you sound. I could talk to you for days. It's just fantastic. Just cheers me up. Um, but, <laughs> you. but yeah, we, um, I, I got into sales, um, back when I was, uh, I grew up in New York city in Queens and I was, um, and I was a school teacher for a while. And, um, being a school teacher in New York city is enough to make you go into the real estate business. So <laughs> I, I did that. Um, and I got into real estate in New York and I was doing okay, but I decided to move to South Florida, um, where my, uh, my mom, uh, this was, you know, this is 20, 20, 20 years ago. So, uh, my mom, uh, owned a real estate company. I decided to go down there and start selling there. I had always been interested, uh, in, in the, the idea of marketing and selling online, but just connected to what I was selling. So real estate and, and eventually, uh, the insurance business, um, I, I was always, you know, generating websites. I was uh, kind of being creative with my ideas of how to promote people's homes for sale and that type of thing. And so, uh, unfortunately, I, I was in the real estate business, and then the real estate business just kind of died for a while. Uh, and so, I needed to do something else to feed my family. And then I went into the health insurance business, and the health insurance business was fine for a few years, and then that kind of trailed off, uh, at least for for brokers like me. Uh, with Obamacare and that type of thing. Um, but I did stay in the insurance business because I was a trainer. I was training uh, salespeople in call centers around the country. And uh, so I continued to do that. Um, eventually, uh, just like anything else, it, it, it just became uh, a job. It was not exciting um, without going into too much detail. Whenever you're working for someone else, uh, the the environment and you know the whole way they're putting everything together uh, can make it difficult to to find personal satisfaction, and so I just uh, the decision was made for my fiance and I. We decided that we were just going to go. We were going to create a kind of a side business at first, uh, selling Amazon FBA, Amazon uh, fulfilled by Amazon. You know, sending products in there and you know just wholesaling and things like that. And we did that a little bit. We did all right. But uh, I really just wasn't, uh, didn't have enough creativity for me. And when I discovered that, uh, the, the idea of click funnels and sales funnels and, and the opportunities there in terms of affiliate marketing and, and uh, that type of stuff, it, it really was, was intriguing. And so for, for about 
18 months, we, we were putting together our business um, on the, uh, you know, in the evenings and we'd go to work our regular, our work, our regular day jobs. And, um, and she would work, you know, 35, 40 hours a week, but, but being in, uh, in management and training, I, I ended up working usually 50, 50 plus 50 to 60 hours a week. And we, when we started, you know, making sales and making money and doing things with online marketing, eventually a good thing happened. Uh, and, and that is that our jobs became the bottleneck. Usually, uh, you know, money you invest is the bottleneck. You don't have enough to do that or, or, uh, you know, lack of training becomes the bottleneck. But for us, it really just became the idea that if we continued to work our day jobs and put in 40 to 50 hours a week there, we just didn't have enough time to build out what we wanted to build out on our own. And so we were, we were, uh, we were fortunate and we planned well and we worked well and we were able to do something that a lot of people uh, struggle to do. We both were able to quit our jobs and just start doing this full time. Um, she left her place of employment in October of 2019, and I left mine in uh, right around December 1st. Oh, wow. And, so it's not been that long ago. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. And very, so we were, we, were do, we were doing okay, but now we are just able to put in all this time. So I haven't punched a clock since December 1st, and she hasn't punched a clock in, in uh, about five months now. And it's great. You know, it's great to, um, to be your own boss completely and uh, to, you know, we, we do our work throughout the day. We go out and get lunch when we want. I, I can go drive and pick up my kids and take them to a doctor's appointment in the afternoon or, or um, you know, spend time on a, on a Thursday afternoon. If they have off from school, we can go out and do something. We're not restricted to, you know, weekends and evenings and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, really, so, so that was really the big decision. It was almost a, a simple transition to, to decide to go into online uh, marketing and making money that way in terms of selling. But to leave the job was really about, you know, freedom and controlling our lives and making the choices that we wanted to make. You know, uh, for me personally, it actually came down to um, just deciding I'm not going to request vacation time anymore. I'm not going to have anyone tell me if I can spend Christmas with my family or not. That's what it really came down to for me. And I'll tell you that story some other day, but, yeah, uh, that's, that's but awesome. that, that was, that was it. So, that's so cool. we, yeah, we just well, decided to do that. Here we are. Congratulations. That's quite a, that's, that is quite an accomplishment. Cause I know that a lot of people, uh, myself included, uh, that's the dream is to leave the, the day job. So, right. Uh, great. Good deal. So, um, this is one of the questions I like to ask all my guests because the, the show is on authority marketing mm -hmm. is, um, what is one of the main things that you advice that you could give someone to position themselves as an expert or as an authority in the, in their niche and their on in the online space? Okay. Uh, I would say the first thing that I would recommend is to truly find a niche um, or a niche or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the, to truly find that, I think that something that a lot of people run into problems with is they, they choose a category. They don't really choose a niche. They choose a, a bigger picture thing. Uh, so for example, they'll choose uh, weight loss. Um, but that's, that's not a niche. That's, that's three different shelves in the bookstore. That's not one little piece of the, of the shelving. Um, and, and, and they try to market to everyone. They try to reach everybody there. And, and the justification is, you know, well, I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out, you know? And if you say, well, well, who are you, who are you trying to help lose weight? Well, people, 
there's just too many. Yeah. You know, your customer is going to come looking for help with their problem. And their problem is not the same as everyone else's problem. In some cases, it's not the same as anyone else's problem. But you want to target a specific group of people. And uh, very often, new entrepreneurs, they, they get scared that they're not going to reach a big enough group uh, to, to make money, uh, which is just really the opposite of what needs to be done. It's possible to niche down too much. Yes. You don't want to help weight loss for, you know, women between 40 and 45 who are also um, living in uh, the three counties of Southern Florida under a height of five foot two. That is way too small. They're not going to find you. Okay. But weight loss for women, it's crazy. You're you're competing with Jenny Craig. You're competing with Weight Watchers. You're you're competing. You know, you're never going to even get noticed. So, Weight Watchers for women between the ages of forty and fifty. Okay, now you're doing a little bit better, but you're still competing with those big ticket people. Um, if you you want to go down to Weight Watchers, you know, I'm sorry, weight loss for women between forty and fifty years of age um, in cold climates who can't get out in the winter and that type. You want to get focused on a specific group of people who have a specific problem. So that would be my first suggestion. What problem does your product solve? What specific problem does it solve? And find the people who have that problem. Um, your niche, honestly, is you before you had your breakthrough, before you realized what it was that was great about whatever you're selling. That's the person you need to be speaking to. Um, and I would say other than that, other than making sure you niche down and get to a, a specific group of people that you can help, um, I would say that uh, you, want, you want to reach people on a casual level. Talk to people the way you actually talk. Sell the way you would want to be sold to. Um, it's very easy to get into the, you know, the, the big words and the techno babble and, and telling people about the product and what it does and all the features. Just reach people on that personal level, that internal level. If you want to be an authority, people, if you want to be an authority, people need to see you as a teacher. Okay? Here in the United States, especially, but in most of the Western world, we look at teachers as authority figures. Right. Um, we want to position ourselves in a place where people will ask us questions. Because when we're, people are asking you questions, they're going to listen to your answers. So position yourself as a teacher um, and, and that will help you out quite a bit. That, that will help you sell uh, and, and put your product out there in a very simple way, casual way and, and speak to the person's problem. Uh, and and the, the only other thing is I would say the bigger the problem you solve, the more money you will make. If, you're, if your solution does not solve an important problem or a big problem or, uh, or a, 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 a uh, what's the word? Uh, not intense happening now, like immediate an immediate problem. Um, immediacy is going to help, you know, people buy things based on, and they pay more based on the size of the problem that's being solved. That's what really matters. That's your value in the marketplace. Uh, the value you're bringing to the market. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess that, yeah. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Art. So I know that, so, you mentioned, you touched a little bit on like psychology and sales. And I know that you, since you're, you have a background in sales that you can speak to the psychology of sales. Sure. And 
I would say that's one of my weaknesses is sales. So do you mind, is there like, can you speak to that a little bit? I don't even, Absolutely. I don't even really know what question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, can just a little bit, maybe some, a little bit of strategy on the psychology of sales. Absolutely. Um, and that, I, I think that's actually a great statement. I don't know what question to ask. So many people get stuck in their entrepreneurial journey because they don't know what they don't know. Okay. When you don't know what you don't know, you can't ask a question about it. You don't even know what questions to ask. So for example, uh, I, I, I don't eat it. I don't eat sushi. Okay. I don't eat it. I don't know anything about it. Doesn't, doesn't interest me. Uh, growing up in New York city, there was no fishing in my life. Uh, if I wanted fish, we went to the supermarket, we bought fish, we cooked it, we ate it. That's just what people did. Sushi, I don't know. So if I would not even know the first question to ask about how to prepare sushi or how to recommend sushi to somebody. Or, okay, that's just a topic that I have no interest in whatsoever. And since this is a podcast, if you could see me, you can see I'm not a health conscious person. All right. So, so that's fine. Maybe I sound like I'm not a health conscious person. <laughs> he just sounds fat. Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, so, not fat. So, so here's the thing. I, I just wouldn't even know the question to ask. I don't know what I don't know. And the same thing applies to sales. So many people jump into entrepreneurship, uh, which is building a business, without realizing you're going to have to sell. You will 100% be required to sell your idea to your customer. Now that's a scary thing because a lot of, we have such a negative view of salespeople in our society that we don't, we don't want to sell. We, we specifically, we want to provide answers without selling. In fact, that's the selling point of a lot of different car dealerships. We, you can buy a car, but we'll never sell you one. Um, and because we don't like salespeople, it's just such a negative connotation applied to them. Uh, but you're going to have to sell. And when, when you realize that selling is actually one of the, one of the kindest things you can do for people, uh, that's the different perspective you need to have. Because like I touched on before, people buy solutions to problems. Um, the, the classic example is the, is the, uh, the, the, the drill bit. Okay. I, I want to hang, I want to hang some decorative pictures or curtains in my home well, I'm going to need to put some holes in the wall, right? So I'm going to need a drill bit. Well, many people say, well, great, go sell them a drill bit. Well, that's the external problem. I need a drill bit because I need to put a hole in the wall. But my in internal problem is why do I need to do that? Why does it matter to me to do this? And my personal example is um, when I first started dating my fiance, one of the, within, you know, three or four of dates, I was at her home at her apartment and she wanted some curtains hung. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And, and I was up there measuring some things and she said, oh, she goes, I love when you do man stuff. Oh, okay. You love when I do man stuff? I'm going to do more man stuff. All right. I, I, I got it. Message received. And so um, what I did was uh, I realized I was going to need a drill uh, and she didn't have one. I immediately got off the step stool, drove to Home Depot, <laughs> bought a drill, brought it back there, drill bits, everything, and hung those curtains. Ah, oh, it was awesome. I didn't buy a drill bit because I needed to hang something. I bought a drill bit because my new girlfriend loved when I did man stuff. <laughs> That's why I bought it. Right. And understanding that 
is understanding why people buy because there's a thousand drill bits on the wall. But why am I buying the one that I'm buying? There's a thousand products out there. There are a thousand soft drinks, a thousand shoemakers, a thousand car makers. Why do I buy what I buy? Okay, why do I? I can make a cup of coffee at home for about 30 to 40 cents a cup. Why will I wait in a drive through line at Starbucks to spend $4? It's not because they're selling me coffee. Okay? Right. They're not selling me coffee. They're selling me something else. What are they selling me? They're selling me the idea that I'm part of a tribe, that I'm part of a cool group of people who like outdoor Wi-Fi, who enjoy when, when their coffee sounds like French words, who don't like saying small, medium, and large. All right, they understand the identity that they're selling, and it's why they make billions of dollars. So understanding all that and breaking all that kind of stuff down is fascinating to me. Uh, I was, uh, I, I got my college degree in history, but I minored in philosophy and I love understanding and thinking about why people think, just how they think and why they think. I spent a lot of years thinking about thinking and, um, and what happens is you, you start to learn why people do things. Uh, and once you understand why people do things, now you go from Jedi to Sith, you cross over to the dark side because once you understand why people do things, well, then you can manipulate that. You can say things in a way and make things happen. And this is the dark side of sales. Um, but, it, but it doesn't mean that these are bad people, okay? When someone has a problem and they need help solving that problem, and, and a hole in the wall is not a big deal, but you know what is a, is a problem? Um, uh, a drinking problem, a gang, gambling problem, um, an illness, uh, uh, feeling uh, of, of dissatisfaction with yourself, low self-esteem, lack of confidence. These are all big problems that people have and they hold them back in their lives. They prevent them from, prevent them from finding personal happiness. They prevent them from connecting with their own family, their own children. These are big problems that affect the very fabric of society. And that's why the self-help business makes so much money because people are constantly looking for help in these areas. The, the amount, the, the size of the problem you solve is in direct correlation to how much money you can make doing it. And if you're selling someone a genuine solution to a real problem that they can't get past, then you're doing them a big favor. You really are. You're, you're going to help them succeed. You're going to help them achieve happiness. And, uh, and that's, that has value to them and they'll pay you for that you know, so and, Dan, and the, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to, I want to ask you um, before I, so one of the things that you're, I'm hearing you say is the, in, you have to understand not only what your, what your product or solution does, mm -hmm. not the ex, not just the external part, but the actual internal part of what Absolutely. it does and how solving that is going to help that person not just with that problem, but more of like on a psychological level. Yeah, so. it really is. The chemical side of it is dopamine, okay? You, 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 you achieve a goal, you get something you want, you feel good about yourself for a minute. That's your brain releasing dopamine into your system, okay? That's, that's the, the happy chemical, okay? We feel good, we feel content. Um, this is why when every New Year's, New Year's Day rolls around and everyone wants to lose weight and that's their resolution, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to do it. Great. And then January 1st rolls around and they go and they join that gym. They sign on the line. They make their payment. Boom. I joined a gym. 
and they leave and they don't go to the gym. Why? Because joining that gym was the first step and it gave them that chemical dopamine hit. You are on the way, you're doing the right thing, you're helping yourself out, okay? And they feel good about it. Unfortunately, sometimes that's all people need to make them say, well, I've done enough. I joined a gym, you know? And, and, and they get that, um, it takes the edge off. And because the edge comes off, they, uh, they don't do anything else and they never actually lose the weight. And the trouble is they feel good about it for two, three weeks. You know, they're like, oh, I'm going to join the gym, but, then, but I'm not going to go to the gym till the end of January because it's too crowded. It's too crowded with all the New Year's people. You know, I'm going to get started February 1st, but I joined and then they don't go. So then February rolls around and they, and they start to feel bad about themselves and Valentine's Day comes and like, oh, I didn't lose any weight and I still don't have a date. And then they're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to get it for, that's it. For March, I am doing this. I'm going to lose weight. You know what's a great idea? Until I get back to the gym, I walk around all day. I'm going to get a Fitbit. I'm going to get a Fitbit and count my steps. And then they go, yeah, boom, order it on Amazon. It's going to be here in two days. This is going to be awesome. They forget the fact that they're sitting down while they're ordering on Amazon. And, <laughs> and, they, and they get it and they get that Fitbit. And now, boom, they get the Fitbit on their hand. Dopamine, dopamine hit again and they're good for a couple of weeks. But then, you know, St. Patrick's Day, I'm not going to go to the gym before St. Patrick's Day. I'm going to go out drinking with my friends. That would be dumb. And, <laughs> and, and it never works. And then Easter right. and then Mother's Day and excuse. And, excuse, and it's this roller coaster of emotion. Um, that they do to themselves. So if you can genuinely help people get through that, if you can generally sell someone a, help, a self-help program to legitimately move them through that and achieve success, you're really helping these people out. And there's nothing wrong with selling them that. Right. And the thing to remember is this. If you are, you could say, well, why don't you just give all that information away if you just want to help people so much? Okay, fair question. You're absolutely right. Why not give it all away? Well, because I need to eat. Okay. I need to eat. I need to pay my mortgage. I need to, you know, my kids need stuff. Right. And like I said, at the very beginning, if I'm spending 60 hours a week at my day job, I can't, and I'm only helping people two hours a day. I'm not helping a lot of people. Well, the, in the and, evening. and the other side of that is if you just give it away, people are not invested in it they don't have any skin in the game and they just absolutely they just absolutely correct the, the stuff so, we get for free yeah. never matters it does we don't apply any value to it at all that's a big psychological thing um that we don't apply any value like like uh, russell brunson says people who pay pay attention right um, exactly you know, and they move forward so yeah so so all of that is the psychological psychology of how people buy and how they react to what they buy and why um but for me what, what I know is I love the idea of the subconscious uh, brain and how the subconscious is so much more powerful than our conscious brain. If you're out there listening, listen to some Joe Dispenza and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And in selling, if you can speak to the internal problem, I'm hoping I'm not getting too deep, but every, everyone comes out with, with really with three problems. You can edit this. Okay. Anybody, everybody comes in. <laughs> no, you're with, good. You're good. With, with three problems. There's the external problem, the internal problem, and the philosophical problem. Okay. And so the external problem is, you know, I, um, let's see, uh, I need to lose 20 pounds. That's my external problem. Okay. And right. so if you're, if you're, a, you run a gym and you say, Hey, come on in and lose 20 pounds in three weeks. Okay, great. You might get some people, but you might not. My internal problem is I, I haven't had a girlfriend in three years because I'm overweight, or at least I haven't had a girlfriend in three years because I, because I believe because I'm overweight. 
And I'm just, I don't find myself attractive, so why should anyone else? Which means I dress badly and I don't put myself out there and I'd, I'd much rather, you know, stay home and, and watch, you know, all, the new season of The Witcher on Netflix than go out and try to meet somebody. I don't get rejected by Netflix, but it does ask if I'm still watching. And, you know, yes, I am Netflix, I'm still here, you know? And so, um, so I'll do that because my internal problem is I, I need to feel better about myself. So if you own a gym, instead of telling me I'm going to lose 20 pounds, tell me that by joining your gym, I'm going to get back out there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to find love. I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find companionship. There's, tell me as you're sell, selling me from a gym membership, say, hey, there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix, but why are you watching it by yourself? Boom. Join yeah. the gym. Right. Get in shape. That sells me. Now I got goosebumps on my arm, right? I'm like, yes, if I could find a, a, a good looking nerd girl to watch Netflix with me, woo, okay, now I'm psyched, okay? So now you're solving my internal problem. Now you're gonna make more sales because you're gonna reach the person, not the, not the weight, not the poundage, you're gonna reach the person. And then there's the philosophical problem. And the philosophical problem is, I deserve to be loved too. I'm a good person. Just because I weigh a little bit more doesn't mean I shouldn't have love in my life. But I need to do what I need to do to help myself. Philosophy is right and wrong. Okay? So if you market to that, if you market, like, and, and taking it to that level and saying, look, there's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with watching five episodes of Game of Thrones. But there's no reason to watch them by yourself. You deserve to be sitting there, you know, watching your show with the love of your life. And you know what? You might meet her on the treadmill next to you. I love it. Okay. Love it. This is marketing. This is messaging yeah. to the, inter the external problem, the internal problem, and the philosophical problem. Because that's, that's who we are. That's what people bring to things when they buy it. They buy it because they believe things about themselves and they believe what they will gain. You know, I, like I said, that drill bit, my internal problem was, yeah, my, my new girlfriend says she loves when I do man stuff. But you know what? I, 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 have a new, I had a girlfriend because I just got divorced. Maybe my philosophical problem is, you know, I, I, do, I deserve to be appreciated for, for man stuff. Or, or how about just for Dan stuff, you know? <laughs> How about just for me? I deserve to be appreciated. And you know what? If all I need to do is buy a drill to be appreciated, because that's the right thing for me, then I'm going to go buy that drill. Yep. You see, the, it solves all the problems. Dan, and that is the depth it, of market. I love it. I, I have heard the, uh, the internal, the external, but I don't believe I've ever, ever heard anyone talk about the philosophical side of it and the right or wrong. So I love that. That's, that's, that's a huge takeaway for me. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. So let me, so, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, Steph. Sure. You know, what, what's the last thing you bought that wasn't food or water? Um, it was probably a course or a coaching program. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, actually yeah. you said you you, you got a, a new microphone on back order. Oh yeah. My new okay. podcast microphone. Oh, yeah, Sweet. exactly. That's Your right, new right. podcast microphone. Why are you making a podcast, Steph? Why are you oh, out there? Good, good, good 
Good question. Well, I really believe that uh, authority marketing is the way to go. If you're struggling to grow your you know, business online and mm-hmm. you want to get yourself out there, there is actually strategies and techniques to do that. And so, um, absolutely I, correct. And that's one of the ways that I want to make impact. And so I'm interviewing people that have already had success and bringing that to the market. That's awesome. And you need a microphone to do that. Absolutely. You see, that's the thing. Your external problem, well, I need to sound good on my podcast. My internal problem is, or your internal problem is, I think people need to hear this message. And, and to do that, I need to give them a reason to listen to me. And if I sound good, they'll listen to me. But the philosophy, do you feel, do you feel you're doing the right thing by making a podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? Why do we feel like we're doing the right thing? You know, you know why you feel like you're doing the right thing? Because you're helping people. Right. You're genuinely helping people who are trying to build their own business and they think they have a problem. They think they need a microphone or a camera or they think they need new lights in their studio or they think that's not the problem. What they need is to understand the idea of authority in the marketplace. What they need is to understand that it doesn't matter what your microphone is, or your lights in your studio are like, what matters is do people listen to you and you know, just believe, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. And you know what, even in a moment where she might not know exactly what she's talking about, she brings in someone who does and she gives us that. This is great, okay? You're teaching people the benefit, the power of authority in the marketplace. You're helping them, not with the problem they think they have, with the problem they actually have, okay? And so when they get there, you feel good about that. You feel like a good person and there's nothing wrong with feeling like a good person. You feel like a good person because you're making a podcast. Now, 20 years ago, would you have said, you know, I I need to make a podcast to feel like a good person. No, (laughs) that's where you are because this is the philosophy of what you're doing. You believe that people genuinely need help in this space and you want to help them. Yeah. And that microphone is helping you solve the sound good problem, the, I got to get a message out there problem. And the, I believe I'm doing the right thing problem. Right. That microphone solved your philosophical problem or love is contributing it. to doing that. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know? Yeah. So I think that one of the main issues, um, because I came into this space and I don't feel this way anymore, but I did come into this space going, I hate sales. Mm-hmm. And it's because of my experiences with, mostly with car salesmen, (laughs) but anyway, (laughs) uh, some bad experiences in my youth with car salesmen, the whole, like, let me go talk to my boss thing, whatever. But however, I have really shifted, uh, to, um, to the impact that I can make with my services. And so I think it's really important for people that are starting out in the online space that have hangups about sales to totally have a mindset shift of looking at it from, you know, how you're helping people and you can make an impact. So the thing that you have to do is it, it's not manipulation, but it's helping the person that you're trying to help see things in a different way. It's exactly correct. Um, And I think a lot of people would actually just nod their head and say, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But they don't completely believe it. And, and, and here's how you believe it. Okay. Here's how you know it's true. If you feel bad about selling, it's because uh, really of one of 
two or three things. And basically it's because you either don't believe in yourself. Okay. You don't believe that you're doing anyone, anything of real value. Okay. Or, and this is the easier one uh, is you don't believe in your product. You don't believe that what you're selling is really valuable. And that's when, when you come off salesy and slimy and sneaky and, and people use words like, you know, close the deal and, you know, and, and things like that. And it sounds, it just sounds bad. Um, if, if that's how you're feeling selling, it's not because of sales. It's because of how you're selling, right? Selling the right way is a fulfilling and rewarding thing. Okay. I'll give you an example of a business that, that I have a little bit, just a smidge of experience in because I was going to move to this kind of business. So I talked to some people and I, I spoke to some people in the business, um, selling funeral services. Okay. Selling caskets and urns and mausoleums and things like that. People come to you literally at the worst time in their life. They've just lost someone they love and no one sits around thinking, you know, I'm going to research caskets for when grandma dies 20 years from now. No, nobody does it. Yeah. So, so they are introduced to a completely new market. They have to deal with someone because you can't self-serve, you know, there's no caskets by owner, you know, marketplace out there. Right. So you have to deal with this. The person who's selling you those services has an opportunity to be awesome or to be absolutely terrible. And if you go into that, if you feel salesy in that situation, it's because you're doing absolutely the wrong things because you're trying to make money. If you're trying to make money selling, you're going to feel terrible about it. And I know that sounds stupid because everyone wants to make money and I will be the first person to tell you, you can make more money in sales than just about anything else in business. Uh, so you should. But if you are in sales because you want to make money, that's when you're going to hate it because you're, going, you're not going to believe in what you're doing. You're not going to believe in yourself uh, and you're going to just feel like you're tricking people half the time and, and that's no way to go through life. You need to believe in your product, which means you need to recommend the right thing for your customer, which means you need to ask your customer questions. Now we get into if you're telling, you're not selling. Right. Okay, that's true. Got to be, you have to listen to sell. I would recommend to your listeners, read Brian Tracy's Psychology of Sales. He touches on all of these things. It's phenomenal. Brian Tracy, he's, of, of all the gurus, I would say he's my favorite, um, which is, makes me sad because he's, he's in his 80s now and we're going to yeah. lose him at some point. But, um, but that guy is unreal. And if you're telling, you're not selling, okay, you need to listen you listen to your customer. And when I was training salespeople to sell on the phone, to sell health insurance on the phone, I would tell them, and I would use the word close, but not, not in terms of a, in a negative way. The, to close someone just means to, to bring about a decision. It means to close the conversation. We need to stop talking about this now because the decision has to be made. If we keep talking, nothing's ever going to happen. You're not going to have what you want. I'm never going to have a sale. Nothing. Ever, we need to close the conversation. That's what it means. So when I would tell, I would tell people, say, if you listen to your customer, they will tell you how to close them. Your customer will tell you exactly what you need to offer them to make the sale. Okay. If you listen, if you're just laying out your sales pitch, you're not going to know. And that's when you're going to sound slimy. And so um, you want to listen 
to your customer. You want to ask them the right questions. You want to, in the insurance business, we call this a needs analysis. Notice the word, not a wants analysis, not a how much money can I make <laughs> off this person analysis. What does my customer need? What do they need? Okay. And based on their needs, I will offer them what they need to be fulfilled. Now, if I'm a smart salesperson, I will offer them, they'll come to me with a budget and they'll come to me and through questioning, I'll learn their list of needs. If I'm a smart salesperson, I'll offer them two things, okay? Maybe three, but I will offer them exactly what they need at exactly their budget. And then I'll offer them what they need and a little bit more. I'll show them the benefits of this little bit more here, okay? And, and it's a little bit over their budget, but I'll give them that option. Okay, you said you had some problem with car salesmen. How many times do you go into the car salesman and you say, well, I want to spend no more than $150 or $200 a month, but then you walk out of there spending $228 or $235, <laughs> okay? Well, where'd that money come from? It was, it, you, it, you found it. It was there, okay? And you offer people something, you offer them the option to do a little bit better, you know, so like if you're selling life insurance to someone, yeah, the life insurance might be, I don't know, $60 a month, but it's a term insurance plan. And after 30 years, when this policy ends, if you, if you don't die, the payout doesn't happen. But here's what we'll do. For $60, you can have a 30-year term life policy that just goes away if you live the next 30 years and don't die. But how about we throw in and now make it $68 a month, and I throw in something called return of premium. So you spend $60 for 360 months, but if you live that 30 years, we are gonna give you back a check for your $60 premium times 360. We're gonna give you back, you know, whatever that comes out to. Yeah. <laughs> $18,000 $18, or something yeah. like that, I don't know, yeah. right? We're gonna give you that check back. And they go, wow, that, that's great. It costs you $8 a month more, but right. you'll get that money back. And people are like, well, that's a great deal because yeah, if I, if I mean, if I die in the next 30 years and somebody gets a million dollars, great. But if I don't die, then it's just, I spent all that money and, and it just went away. Well, for a little bit more, we can give it back to you. Now, why can we do that? Because that extra $8 gives us more money as an insurance company to invest and we make money on your money. That's why we take the money. Okay. We made more than, a lot more than 18 grand on your money in 30 years. Yeah. We're only giving you 18 grand back, but you're happy. You're happy with that option, okay? It's more than you wanted to spend. It's more than you needed to spend, but it's a better deal. So you make a little bit more money as a salesperson. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely makes you know? sense. Yeah. So, but as long as you're not, as long as you're not offering people things that are completely, absolutely 100% useless to them, that they, and, and, I, and I didn't, I don't mean to say, well, if, you know, if they can get it cheaper down the street, you should tell them that. That's not your job as a salesperson. If that was every salesperson's job, then there would not be anything other than Kias and Hyundais driving on the road. Nobody would buy a Mercedes Benz because all anyone needs a car for is to drive from yeah, a to point A to point B. Right. And you can do that in any car, yeah. okay? So why are there people buying $80,000 cars when there are $20,000 cars available? Because of their internal problem. Because I need to impress my, my new mother-in-law because I need to feel good about myself, because I need to reward myself for working so hard. That's why people are spending more. And if I sell a Mercedes Benz, it's not my job to say to somebody who comes in, now look, this is a $65,000 car, but you really should check out the Hyundai guy down the street. <laughs> you know, that's not my job. No. Okay. So 
all of these things, working with people, um, I'll, I'll tell you, here, let me wrap it up this way. If you feel bad about selling, if you say things to yourself like, well, why do they charge so much for that? Or if, if it's not about the money, why are you even charging me money? If that's the case, then you have a problem with money. You have a problem with wealth. You have a problem with people being successful. And if you have that problem, you should probably start working on that problem before you start selling. Because there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with making money. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with any of it. And, and your beliefs are going to come in and work against you in that situation. And you will feel terrible about selling. You need, yeah. a, you need a, a healthy relationship with money. I totally agree. Oh, there's so many gold nuggets in there. I can't wait to go back to this. <laughs> that was awesome, Dan. Thank you so much. No problem. Okay, I want to shift gears just a little bit because I know you like movies. I do. I do. <laughs> love so them. How do you, um, so do you, use, do you use movies in your brainstorming for your copywriting or, or your marketing? How do you, can you give an example? Abs I'm always absolutely. trying to get at people's creative side. I'm an artist, so I love to talk about the creativity. That's cool. That's a really cool question. I absolutely use movies in my, in my sales and when I talk to people. Um, never forget, never ever forget, no matter what you sell, you're selling to people. You're selling to a human being, a person with emotions uh, and beliefs and likes and dislikes. Uh, they, are, they are imperfect, they are fallible. Uh, you are selling to a person. And the more you can connect with that person, and have a, um, you know, find similarity, find common ground, the more likely you are to, to build a customer. And, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to say just make a sale because you're not here to make a sale. You're here to build a customer. Starbucks doesn't want you buying one $4 cup of coffee and oh, never coming back. Long term. They want you to come back every day. Loyalty cards and all that stuff, right? There are very few things in the world. I would say nothing, but I'm not, I don't have any letters after my name. I'm not a doctor of any kind. So, um, so I would say there is nothing that connects people more than stories. Okay. The understanding of stories, the memories that are built around stories, the way our brains work is based on story. This is thousands of years old, if not millions of years old because stories let you organize information, okay? I can tell you, I can try to tell you, you know, that it's a good idea to, um, you know, protect yourself from elements and from enemies in, in the best way possible. I can tell you that taking the time and the resources to set yourself up for success and hedge yourself against failure is really, really important because you never know what's coming out from, from outside there. And there are things out there, there are people out there, there are forces out there that are just not your friends and they're, and they're gonna work against you sometimes and you need to be ready and prepared. I can tell you that. And 20 minutes from now, you won't remember I told you that. Or I can tell you, so there's these three little pigs <laughs> and one of them builds a house out of straw. One of them builds a house out of wood and one of them builds a house out of brick. And I can tell you that story. And the big bad wolf and blah, blah, blah. I can tell you that, okay? And you get it. 
Mm -hmm. I need to build my house out of brick. Yes, you need to build your life in the strongest way possible. Okay, we remember the story. We don't remember the sentences about preparing and life and that's why our kids never listen to us. Right. Okay. So story is incredibly important and, and it's all mythology. Um, I highly recommend uh, Joseph Campbell's the hero with a thousand faces. Mm -hmm. Um, Understanding the hero's journey uh, about story. So yeah, I use movies all the time when I sell. I would constantly in the insurance business, I would constantly reference Forrest Gump and his magic legs and the braces and things like that and dealing with doctors. And, and I would constantly reference movies, you know, um, about medical things or, 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 um, or Grey's Anatomy or ER. You, you, you need to reference things that people understand and know about, okay? If, if I tell you that, you know, emergency rooms can be hectic and mistakes can be made, uh, that's one thing. But if I tell you, remember the episode of Grey's Anatomy where McDreamy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, you get it. And the goal, you're, you're selling to people, the goal is to get it. Now, just like this with anything else, you wanna niche down, okay? I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, right? Well, I'm not as much of a nerd as I am a geek, and by the way, there's a difference, okay? <laughs> and the difference is the geek can tell you all about the history of the lightsaber and why it is different colors, why Luke's was a different color than Vader's, and they can tell you all of that. A nerd can build you a lightsaber, okay? That's the difference between a nerd and a geek. I did not know that. That yeah, is so like there you go. the all right. for the day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. But so I, I'm a geek about things and geeking about something like Harry Potter or mm-hmm. Star Wars. Or for me, I'm even a geek about romantic comedies. That is my 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 uh, oh, what do they call that my guilty that. pleasure. I love a good <laughs> rom-com. I'm a huge fan of The Devil Wears Prada. That kind That's of awesome. Stuff. All right. But because I know these things and I love my movie lines, you can hear someone talking. You can have a customer and you can start to reference commonality in your life. Uh, The human brain is designed ultimately for one thing, and that is our own survival. It is designed to protect us and keep us alive and and not allow us to harm ourselves in any way. And the trouble is though, your brain, your lizard brain, is uh, the oldest part of your brain, really doesn't know anything other than fight or flight, anger and fear because those are the things that protect you. Love doesn't protect you. Love makes you vulnerable, okay? Happiness doesn't protect you. Happiness makes you vulnerable because you run toward things and that's dangerous, all right? That's why people are scared to fall in love, right? But they're not scared to be alone. And so because our brain focuses only on fear and anger, um, the, the old brain, anything that is unfamiliar to us, anything at all that is unfamiliar to us, creates a moment of hesitation at the very least. And that is your old brain saying, this could be dangerous. This -hmm. could be a problem. So if you are selling to someone, and this is what you would call cold traffic, if you're selling to someone who has no idea who you are, no idea what you're talking about, they're gonna hesitate. They're not really gonna wanna listen to you, okay? Um, So you need to connect with them a little bit. You need to become more familiar, even though you don't know them at all, 
if I don't know you at all, but I do know that we've both seen Forrest Gump, <laughs> I can say life's like a box of chocolates. And you go, oh, my God, I love that movie. They say, well, you know what? Insurance is kind of like a box of chocolates too. You never know what you're going to get. So let me talk to you about this. Uh -huh. <clears throat> okay. You can create a connection and literally trick the person's mind, the other person's mind into saying, oh, this is familiar. I don't have to be scared. Right. I don't have to run away. Okay. By the way, fight or flight, 90% of the time it's flight because fighting, you never know. You never know if you're going to win. And even if you do win, you just expended an immense amount of calories and energy. And that is a threat to your life. That's the way your brain thinks. So you would rather hang up the phone, tell the person in the store, no, I don't need help, I'm just browsing, spend three days researching the, the littlest purchase you're gonna make before you actually buy it because your brain is telling you this is unfamiliar and you should be afraid and you shouldn't do it, this is a bad idea. Right. That's what your brain is saying. We need to fight our brains. And as a salesperson, you need to understand that the person you're talking to is fighting their brain. You need to become familiar to them in little ways so that their brain tells them Oh, this is cool. I can relax my adrenaline and up my dopamine. <laughs> okay. The more dopamine, the more they're going to like you. I love that's it. Why, that's why a referral is the best type of sale. It's the easiest type of sale. Because I may, maybe I never bought a house before. But if you bought a house and I trust you and you tell me, call my real estate agent. She's great. Right. I'm going to call your real estate agent. And my brain doesn't hesitate because it's familiar, because you're familiar. I never spoke with this woman in my life. I never signed a mortgage in my life. I never did any of this, but I trust you. And so my brain ups the dopamine and drops the adrenaline, and now I can buy something. That's what you need to remember about the human brain and sales and why movies and songs and things like that are so helpful in sales. And another time I'll, I'll show you the sales, the two sales pitches that exist in Star Wars. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that another time. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good stuff. So, um, one more one more question. What sure. is um, so? What would you say is one thing that you've? I mean, it may be two. What is one thing that you would say that you've discovered about yourself uh, through sales or through this online journey? Like something internal. <laughs> Okay. That's good. And I get the sense that maybe you just changed the way you asked that question for the rest of your life. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, something I've discovered about myself in this online journey. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what I, I think the biggest thing I've discovered, and this is vulnerability here. This is me telling you something that I don't tell a lot of people, but I think it's important for people to know. Everyone should go, just, just go to Wikipedia. Okay and look up the term imposter syndrome, okay? And just read that first paragraph about what imposter syndrome is. And I think you will discover, most of us will discover that we suffer from some level of that. I absolutely discovered that not too long ago, about six, seven months ago. And this is, remember, six, seven months ago, I discovered this. That means 15 years into selling, I discovered imposter syndrome. And what it is, is this sense that I can point to literally tens of, I can point to the year 2005 when I sold over $18 million worth of real estate in 2005. Okay. And 
I can look at that. I can look at all the commission checks I bought in, brought in. I can do all of that. And I can still think back and say, whew, got away with it that time. Somehow I managed to trick them into buying that, talked them into it. Instead of accepting the fact that I was successful because I'm good at what I do. I'm successful because I know how to connect with a customer and I know how to find out what their real needs are and I know how to show them how to solve, how I can help solve their problem and I earned all that money. Okay, instead of that, it's easier to just say, well, I hope the next guy doesn't figure it out and I can make that sale too. This imposter syndrome is real and I have discovered that for a long time, I, I dealt with it. I still deal with it you know, in any given situation. Um, it's hard to think uh, about ourselves and think good things. It's easier to believe the bad things that we tell ourselves or that we've been told all our, all our lives. Um, we're, we're also taught, you know, we live for the most part in a relatively conservative society. Uh, we're not, we're taught not to brag about ourselves. You know, we're taught not to shout out how much money we make or anything like that. And so it's, it's easier to, you know, kind of, push things, tap things down. Um, and imposter syndrome is, is real. It's something that people will deal with. Uh, and you just have to move past it. You need, to, you need to take your willingness. You need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Jim Rohn, uh, uh, another guru to the gurus, one of the high pantheon of gurus, uh, said, um, the only difference between a comfort zone and a grave is the depth. Okay, you need to get out of your comfort zone or you will never move forward and succeed. And imposter syndrome will fight to keep you inside your comfort zone. You will have much more success if you recognize what imposter syndrome is and force yourself to deal with it than, than if you don't do that. So I would say that is a big thing I've learned about myself um, with regard to, to imposter syndrome. And I've also learned, and this comes from me being from, from New York City, where we're generally, genuinely good people in New York, but we don't really have a lot of patience. Okay. That's really what it comes down to. If people from New York seem mean to you, it's not that we're mean, it's just that you're kind of moving slow with whatever you're doing. Just, 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 just get out of the way. Okay. That's really, it's really the whole thing. Do that um, <laughs> right. Just do everybody needs to, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody needs to make a U-turn on a road. They shouldn't make a U-turn on. Everybody needs to stop and fix their socks in the middle of a, you know, of a crowd of moving people at Disney world. I get it. Everyone needs to, but whatever you're doing, just do it fast. That's all we care about. Okay. But here's the thing. Um, so a combination of that impatience and, and just a desire to, to be real with people uh, has sometimes brought me into not conflict, but um, I have found that this online marketing world works better, works easier for everyone. If you just try to be nicer about things, when people talk about being on a, a journey you know, when people talk about, well, I'm, I'm building out a product in this space. That's not how I grew up talking. We didn't talk about our journeys. We didn't talk about existing within this space. Okay. We didn't talk about meditation. We didn't talk about law of attraction. Okay. But open yourself up to that. If you're not that kind of person, open yourself up to that concept because number one, you will You'll succeed because you'll be opening yourself up to more things. You'll be getting out of your comfort zone, and that's always good. But number two, it's going to let you connect with more people, and there's nothing better in this online world than connecting. 
networking, Absolutely. building out people, people you can speak to, ask questions of, people you can seek out for mentorship or anything like that really, really helps. And if you close in and try to expect everyone to be like you, that's not going to work. So be open to people and be open to things that might take you outside your comfort zone. That's, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's what Dan, I Dan, Dan Cook. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad good. yeah. I know who I, I've seen the list of people you've already interviewed. And I'm like, oh man, how am I going to, I hope uh, I stack uh, up. You, I don't know. You did awesome. This is great. Well, so what I would probably like to do is, because I think I could probably ask you three more questions and we could go for another hour is, okay. uh, <laughs> is let's do this again sometime. Yeah. Oh, on down sure. the road. Would that be cool? Sure. Absolutely. hundred awesome. awesome. percent. Let's do it. Okay. So Dan, where can they find you? Um, if you're on Facebook, you can join uh, our group, the Online Entrepreneur Blueprint. All right, just look for it. It's a Facebook group where we uh, basically uh, the tagline on my personal profile is become the entrepreneur you see when you close your eyes. Okay, when you close your eyes and you envision your future, that's what we can help you become. Okay, because it means different things to different people. So you can join us at the Online Entrepreneur Blueprint uh, Facebook group is great. And other than that, I, I'm a coach in the High Ticket Offer Accelerator. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. That's where I'm, I'm established right now. We're building out some other things and we'll have other things soon, but right now that's it. I love it. it. I love it. Go check out his Facebook group. Lots of good value in there. So, all right. All right. Thanks a lot. So this is Steph Shinneberry with Authority Marketing Edge. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review and I'll send over the Authority Marketing Guide the why and how you should be positioning yourself as an authority. Again, thanks for joining us. This is Steph Shinneberry with Authority Marketing Edge. <laughs>